Hi, and welcome again to Movies or Magic. Today's show is all about sound, and as I speak, I'm actually hiding behind a rock in search of that rarest of things, the footstep of a polar bear. Bear with me. Oh, excuse the pun. Oh dear. I've made a huge mistake. while being pursued by a bear. Give me a second. Oh. Okay. This is a podcast about movies. So if you're listening, you know it's easy to conjure up an image that ties to a sound. I say it's Mickey Castle, and your brain does the work. Mad scientist, and you're imagining bubbling experiments and crazy electricity. And really fantastic hairstyles? Uh, no. Shame. Because it's really nifty with the scissors. When we do think of cinema, we usually think pictures first. Spectacular spaceships, stupendous CGI, Hulk. But not a single Harry Potter or comic book adventure would feel half as good without the incredible work done by sound designers and Foley artists. It's hard to pinpoint why a film makes us feel. Feel so much. (laughs) But in the early stages of getting into movies, the element that'll have most effect on you without you even realising it is the sound. And there's very few films whose sound is more iconic than Star Wars. Hi, I'm Sarah and I'm nine. Films I've watched the most are probably Star Wars. Well, I like the way that there isn't any blood, so you can watch it if you don't like seeing stuff like that. And all the animals are really cool, like all the creatures. And I haven't watched all of the films, only the ones that I'm allowed to, because I haven't watched like the last ones. So there's Darth Vader and he got melted in lava. So that's why he wears a helmet and he can only breathe with it. And then there's also the Millennium Falcon and the people who live in there are against Darth Vader. But they can't kill him because he's immortal. But he can only be killed by his own son. The person I identify most with is Chewbacca. He's really funny and hairy and he's really cute as well. And they keep shouting at people. I'm really cute and hairy and I keep shouting at people. Well, that's what he sounds like when he shouts, like, really loudly. Not bad, Sarah. Now, I feel like I want to try my own shooting impression. Hold on. Uh, How do you apologise to a Wookiee? The first films were all silent, if ever that's possible. I've been in a cinema before. Cinemas would play the films on screen and live musicians would alter their playing to fit the action. You'll tell me when I ought to come in, right? Uh, I'm doing the dramatic violin part and I can't remember. Is is this the part where the giant monkey grabs her? Oh, spoiler! Sorry. Sound wasn't really a part of film until about 1927 and even then, people thought that it was going to be a fad, a gimmick, like 3D. And of course, almost everything was in black and white. How many of you have actually seen a much older film? Sometimes Dad picks the movies. He's like, oh, no, 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 this is good. I used to watch this when I was younger. This looks good. I'm like, Dad, did you, did you, did you get the review? He's like, I didn't get the review, but I think it looks good. I'm like, Dad, it's just a picture of a goose. How do you know it looks good? So most of the time, we end up like, we're looking at it like that. And then somehow it just has this way of becoming your new favourite movie. I don't know how. We start like this. And then at the end, you're like, oh, when's the next movie coming out? Like Lila says, you might be sceptical of something your dad recommends, but often it pays to give older movies a go. Sha? 
Where do you think we should start? This week we're going to talk about one of my favourite films, To Kill a Mockingbird, from 1962. It's based on a book by Harper Lee and directed by Robert Mulligan. You look like a picture this afternoon. This definitely feels a little bit different to other films that we've talked about. It's a very serious film. And it's it's sort of a film that's about things that grown-ups do. But it's seen through the eyes of a child, Scout. A little girl who is, for the first time, seeing her father as a man and not just her father. Hey, He's a lawyer in the Deep South in the 1950s and he is involved in a a case of a great injustice that's happening to a black man in their community and he's defending this man and her experience is now watching her dad be a total hero in the courtroom. And that's sort of what the film is about. You know what a compromise is? Here's the way it works. At a certain age, we do have to see our parents as people rather than as Mammy and Daddy are people who just feed us. And I think To Kill a Mockingbird is something that does that really well. There just didn't seem to be anyone or anything Atticus couldn't explain. Scout is, I think she's eight years old and she's got a brother and they live on a a street in uh, the deep south and they have a really normal childhood, uh, hot summer running around messing with their friends and in the background for most of the film we know that there's something going on and their dad Atticus Finch is, you know, dealing with something and because the, the children aren't involved in a lot of these conversations, they're only picking up little bits of what's happening. But what has happened is that uh, a black man has been accused by a white family of attacking a girl. And we know that he did not do it. And there's not enough evidence to say that he did it. So Atticus is defending him and he's getting a lot of flack for that from certain people. And he's standing up for what's right. There's a lot of ugly things in this world, son. I wish I could keep them all away from you. That's never possible. And this trial is obviously taking its toll on the father and he is really leaning into his children to comfort him and support him and inspire him to be the hero that he needs to be in this case. In the name of God, do your duty. This film is really about the importance of emotional intelligence and being able to learn about things that you are uncomfortable with and accept the things happen in the world that you don't like and that you need to stand up for things that you believe in. And I think the younger you are, obviously, the less that will resonate with you. So I think if you're maybe, I'd say 10 years old would be a good age for this film. Oh, I don't believe you. Deal? What are you doing here? My lord, Stephanie almost gave me a heart attack. I mean, it's lots of fun. Like, there's lots of fun stuff happening in this as well. So it's not like a boring, serious film. It is in black and white, but that's okay. When I was a child, I don't think I had ever seen a black and white film. And the only things I ever watched that were black and white were Laurel and Hardy shorts. Um, Laurel and Hardy were like a comedy duo from like the 1920s, 30s, who just did little comic shorts and they were hilarious. And I always thought they were very, very funny. <laughs> And the first time I ever watched an actual film was a film called Some Like It Hot, which is a it's a comedy with Marilyn Monroe in it. And uh, I just thought it was the funniest thing ever. And I remember thinking, I can't believe this is funny and it's black and white <laughs> because I thought old things would, couldn't be funny. But you don't understand, Osgood. Uh, I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. So I understand that reluctance. It's almost like 
you don't understand how this could be relevant to you because it's so old. But I, I don't think it should be a barrier. But I think maybe the issue is that you don't watch a lot of things in black and white. So you might think it isn't for you. I certainly think this is a good place to start. I think To Kill a Mockingbird. It looks like any other film you're going to watch, except it's in black and white. I would say three words to describe this film is clever, important and emotional. If you want to watch To Kill a Mockingbird, you can get it on Amazon and Google Play and on YouTube. To Kill a Mockingbird has some pretty strong themes in it. And there are some words and language that we'd never use today. I definitely think that if you're intrigued by all Charlene mentions and want to watch it, maybe discuss it as a family. It is a really great film, but one for slightly older kids. Also, Scout's costume in this film is one of the best you'll ever see. Just a heads up for Halloween next year. I was to be a ham. Check this movie out. Have you ever watched a film and heard the creak of a door opening that sets you on edge? The shuffling of a footstep to let you know someone's coming. The crackle of a record as it goes on. Or even the subtle movement of someone's jumper or coat to let you know how they're feeling. What do you mean you've never heard an angry coat yet? What else? Well, all those sounds are the work of a Foley artist. And I guess if we want to hear about what they do, we may as well go to one of the best in Ireland. Hello, my name is Quiva Doyle and I'm a Foley artist. A Foley artist recreates sound effects and footsteps for film, television and video games. On the day of a shoot, the microphones are placed under the collars of the actors' costumes and primarily the dialogue is kind of the key thing to record on the day of a shoot because it's so hard to control all of the external happenings on a film set, that if they come away with the voices, clean dialogue, then that's success. Um, and, and also, if they were shooting a period drama and an aeroplane flew overhead, then it might look absolutely perfect and stunning, but suddenly the sound isn't usable, so the sound would have to be recreated, the dialogue and all of the sound effects. And then there's also just the play with sound to enhance the mood or theme of a piece. We have the same approach to whatever project we're on. For TV, we probably record less, but the quality and the kind of considered choice of sounds, that would be the same. Like, and the performance is the same and the recording technique is the same. One of the main reasons that we're employed is a lot of what we do is uh, kind of getting inside the headspace of the actors and what's going on in their head and hearts. And we carry ourselves with so much information in how we're presenting ourselves, how we're standing, how we're walking. There's so much in that. And a human being needs to be able to interpret those movements with an empathy to what's actually happening in the story, happening to the character. If it was computer generated or just library dry sound effects used for the footsteps, it might not actually convey the heart of what's happening on screen. So we might not be able to articulate why those CD footsteps aren't working or those library footsteps aren't working, but we'd know. We'd know in our core that it's not right. Everyone would know. Our sense of hearing, everyone's hearing is so refined, really, that uh, uh, we wouldn't buy it. Kids are brilliant Foley artists because they still have that monkey see, monkey do. They're still quite tied into mimicry and maybe they don't care about how they look when they're performing and stuff, so they just sort of go for it. But a lot of the time at the kids' workshops, I'm amazed with the sync and the ideas, the creative ideas. It kind of blows me away. Possibly my favourite are the footsteps, but I also really enjoy animation or horror or something with extraordinary sound. 
we can use Alka-Seltzer's fizzing in glasses to get kind of a magic potion-y bubbly thing and an air can or even boiling in a tube and cornstarch. You'd find cornstarch in your parents' cupboard for making soup and you can put a bag of corn flour into a pillowcase and squeeze it and get snow effects. But we also use it for like an old guy getting out of bed and we could, we'll put in those sort of creaks. We once had to cover a guy getting frozen and, uh, and then bits, his arm was falling off and bits were falling off him. So we used the cornstarch uh, for, for kind of a creeping ice rise on him and we used celery and crunched it. We use a hot water bottle, regular hot water bottle for screeching tyres or, uh, or a funny skid on a, on, a, on a shoe. Oh yeah, for breaking noses, we use rigatoni pasta and you put it inside your mouth and you just sort of crunch down and it sounds like it's inside a head. Probably a good schoolyard trick as well. <laughs> I was probably about 15 when I decided to work in the craft side of filmmaking. I remember being shown Don't Look Now, a film by Nicholas Rogue. And the opening sequence of that film, we watched it. And I had no idea that there were so many other aspects of craft behind filmmaking that I'd never considered. I'd just looked at a movie but hadn't really analysed why it made me feel that certain a certain way. So we watched that sequence and then we watched it again and we analysed the sound and the picture editing. And um, I mean, it was just straight away. I just couldn't believe it. It made total sense. And I don't know whether they'd show that film now in schools, but there are so many other ways other than visually to make a, an audience feel a certain way. The pictures might tell them what's happening in the story, but your soundtrack can kind of inform them how to feel about what's happening in the story. It's quite subtle, but if you want your audience to feel like they're in the room with your two main characters, then if you go into the smallest room in your house or the quietest room in your house, perhaps one with a sofa and a rug in it, so it's not too reverberant. And if you record, re-record the movements of those characters, like if they lean forward, even the creak of their belt or something to make us feel that we're with those people. Those really subtle and very simple additional sounds can really heighten our connection with the characters because we would only hear those sounds if we were in the same room with that person. Anyone with good hand-eye coordination, you've got to love film. You've got to love storytelling and really be prepared to kind of delve right into that. That's at the core of everything we do. We have to um, enhance support and keep storytelling at the fore. If the recording technique distracts from the story, if the performance distracts from the story, we've utterly failed. <laughs> If you guys haven't thought about sound in your film before, maybe now is the best time to start. But it might be hard to know where. Sean? Rolling sound, quiet. So this week, we're going to be talking about sound. Sound is often overlooked in the early stages of a filmmaker's career. Believe it or not, it is oftentimes more important than the visuals themselves. If your film does not have good visuals, but has excellent sound quality, your audience can tolerate it and will still enjoy the film. However, if your film has excellent visuals, but poor sound quality, it is much more difficult for your audience to truly enjoy it. What's this take? He said he didn't steal it. What? You're ruining the whole film. Now at first, when using a phone or camcorder for filming, it can be very difficult to get what is called external sound on your shoot. External sound is when the sound is recorded by a specific sound device. For example, a boom pole with a boom mic at the end of it is often used on film and television sets. Boom, coming in. This sound is recorded and then synced with the camera footage in the edit. 
Using internal sound recording is not all that bad, however, as you can solve the problem by simply filming close to your actor. Instead of filming far away from your actor, film quite close to his or her face. The closer the actor is to the camera's microphone, the better. Whether or not you are filming inside or outside, it is always best to record sound as close to the subject as possible for the very best results. If you're filming outside, another tip I would have is to film in the opposite direction of the wind. For example, if the wind is blowing into the camera's microphone, the sound quality will almost definitely be negatively affected. All you're going to hear is gusts of wind into the microphone. However, if you simply move your actors around so that you can film in the opposite direction, the sound will almost definitely be better quality. Also, my hair looks amazing. Amazing in this wind. This is because the wind is now gone from your microphone. So let's say you're filming out in an open field. There's usually going to be a lot of wind in that type of environment. All you have to do is film with as many barriers as possible around the camera. Say, for example, trees or walls. Could you use cattle? No. Now, there are some very weird devices in filmmaking, and one of them is called a dead cat. Have you ever looked at the top of a microphone and seen something that looks like a skinned rabbit? That fluffy device is called a dead cat, and it is used on a microphone to block out the wind. And if you don't have a dead cat, don't worry at all. As mad as it seems, if you have a clean sock, that will work perfectly in a pinch. Just make sure it's clean. However, this device would not be necessary if filming on a phone. I speak for all cats when I say... Phew. Sound can be tricky when filming on a set. Fortunately, you do have the opportunity to fix this in the edit. This type of sound is called ADR, which is an acronym for Automated Dialogue Replacement. Don't worry, you don't have to remember the full term. Now let's say you're using the app Splice to put together your film. You can record voiceovers or ADR by pressing the microphone button. This is a really great way to add more layers to your film through sound. For example, let's say you have a scene on the beach. You could add the sound of waves to the scene to boost the atmosphere. You could simply do so by going on a trip to a beach and recording the sound of the waves directly from your editing app. Or if you have a scene in the forest, go ahead and record the sound of the wind blowing through the trees from your editing app. Again, this simply adds to the audience's overall experience with your film. Don't understand half this picture, but I love what I'm hearing. Finally, if your film ever feels messy or hard to follow, don't be afraid to record a voiceover as a narration. During any silent parts of your film, you can simply explain what is happening by talking over the scene. As long as your voice or use of words is not distracting the audience from the story, this technique can be very effective. And it was only then my main tip this week would be to remember that sound is just as important as visuals. When you're planning to shoot for your film, don't forget to plan the sound. You forgot the microphone. Okay, everybody. Think you forgot the microphone. Shoots off, go home! My challenge for this week is to just record some sounds on your phone. Start building a sound library, even if you're not making a film. Run around your house, go to the beach or go to the forest and try and record as many sounds as possible that will add to a film. A brilliant challenge. If you manage to gather a sound effect you never thought you could or just want to tell us a bit about how your film's developing, email junior at rte.ie. Why not make all this talk of film sound means that I guess this week's recommendations are going to have to have them at their core. So these aren't necessarily on TV, but are all easily found online or when it's open your local library. The reason Foley is called that is because of a man called Jack Foley. He added simple, everyday sounds to films that didn't have them recorded and sort of launched the whole industry. Star Wars was truly groundbreaking in how it used sound to tell a story. And the person behind the lightsaber, the laser blasters and Darth Vader was Ben Burke basically retired before the 2000s but came back to work on Pixar's Wall-E 
a film that uses only music, sound design and foley effects to tell the whole first half of its story. A tiny robot left alone on Earth fighting. In a few weeks' time, we'll talk about sound design. So maybe this next one could work to prepare you for creating sounds that can't be recorded because they haven't existed. Where's the goat? For millions of years. <gasps> this one is for kids a little bit older, but who doesn't love the original Jurassic Park? <laughs> and finally, Foley and sound design creating sounds that we can't record because space is a vacuum. Tell me about it. From 2013, it's Gravity, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, who also directed Prisoner of Azkaban, and showing just how terrifying and lonely space might be. Okay, recommendations done. That's it. Oh, wait, I knew I was forgetting something. I think it's time for a film pitch from one of you. And this week's is a doozy. Hi, I'm Beckett. And I'm from Scaries, and I'm six. If I would make a film, I would call it Roses vs. Bikes. The bikes are trying to take over the world, but the roses try to stop them. You can't stop us, roses. The hero is the biggest bike, which is golden. Oh, I am now the hero you need. Although a minute ago, I think I was the man. And he sacrifices himself for all the other bikes by killing the roses and sacrificing himself for it. His name is Rooster. There is Gomlet, which is uh, an evil rose that is like dark pink. I'm less a rose than an attitude. And Bibi, which is a bike, and she really wants to be cycled a lot. She's very fit. <laughs> Rose's uh, number one power is bee attraction, and they can tell the bees to try and get the bikes. Let's pollinate those wheelie turds. And they have another power, which is smelliness. Gomlet, did you forget your deodorant? Get lost, Mom. I'm very sensitive about my smell. If the bikes ever smell them, they'll have to run away because it's a mind control smell. The bikes have a power, which is going super fast. Eat my dust! And second power is that they can control the wind. Whoa, I said! And the second power is that they can stick to anything. I'm quite confused. Am I a good here, Betty? The roses are red. Red is for evil. So evil must be defeated. Beckett, I salute you. I am equal parts excited confused, elated and invigorated by your trailer. Roses versus bikes, pedalling into a cinema near you once they open again. And that's it for this week. I'm back with my trusty microphone and recorder to finish my foley. And this time, I'm in the jungle. Why are you taking so long? You promised me you'd take me out for a drive. Granny, I told you I'm a foley artist now. You be quiet. My world lives and dies by my microphone. I'll tell you what, give me that microphone now till I show you how you're going to meet your end. Annie, be quiet. I'm trying to record the sound of a Sumatran tiger. Sumatra? As I understood it, we were going to do in a minute. Yeah, 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 we'll get there in the end. I've got to go to the shop. I know, look, give me four minutes, I'll get this tiger sound and we're done. Ah, here, give it to me. Tiger, tiger, come over here to Granny. Ah, oh, no tiger. He's a bit bigger than I expected. Granny. 
What have you done? It's your problem now, Nikki. See you later. <laughs> How many terrible mistakes can I make in one episode? <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.